Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project. I'm Jay Harrington. Joining me is my co-host, Tom Nixon. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you? Good, good. Um, Doing well and uh, excited to welcome our guest to the show today. Um, Adrian Dayton is joining us and Adrian is a former practicing lawyer. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of Clearview Social, which we'll talk about here in a moment. And Adrian often uh, speaks and writes on issues related to legal marketing, uh, social media, business development, and, and related matters, um, and, and does uh, various speaking engagements. He writes a great column for Forbes that everyone should check out. And Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Great to be here, Jay. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, and I don't know, as a, as a fellow uh, former practicing lawyer, um, how do you, I know I'm always somewhat uh, unsure of how to, how to, uh, mention that to people. Do you just say I'm a lawyer? Do you say I'm a former practicing lawyer, a former lawyer? You know what I mean? It's sometimes awkward when uh, that question comes up. I don't know what the proper nomenclature is. I mean, honestly, like what I typically tell people is that um, I'm a software entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's, it's like originally my identity was tied to the fact that I was a lawyer and it would be like, well, I'm an attorney, but I'm non-practicing or, you know, everyone loves this joke about like, oh, you're a recovering lawyer. And and now it's like, no, 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 I've, I've completely recovered. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I loved practicing law, although it, it, it was brief. And um, I like, I enjoy what I do a lot more now. So, so it, it's funny how many of my business contacts don't even know I have a law degree any longer. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think definitely uh, it's been a good transition from you from the outside um, looking in. And you are still dealing with lawyers quite a bit in connection with your, your software um, that you've, you've built. And it's very cool, which is um, what you uh, provide through Clearview Social. Can you, can you just spend a couple minutes talking about what, what is Clearview Social? Because it'll kind of lay the great, uh, groundwork here for some of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind, I'll just tell a little bit of the story because yeah, when I first started uh, writing about and, and speaking to groups of lawyers about social media, um, you know, surprisingly enough, they loved the idea. They loved hearing me talk about it. They'd get excited. They'd be like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to be social. We're going to, you know, we're going to find this new way to bring in business and, you know, we're, you know, kind of rah-rah. Um, and then I'd follow up a few weeks later, a month later, and it would just be crickets on social media. Nobody was sharing. Nobody was doing the stuff that I had kind of, I thought I'd inspired them, right? But it wasn't really working. And, and, and I realized that, that, that they believed in it enough to agree that it was important. They were just so busy. They, they had to make it, they needed a way to make it easier for them in their busy days. And so we created Clearview Social to kind of take the friction away from social media. So, um, let's say I have a firm of 100 lawyers and there's a few blog posts that are written each week within the firm. Well, everyone in the firm through Clearview Social receives an email or a push notification to their phone saying, here's the content to share, click one button and the software literally will schedule out your entire week of social media posts. And I always kind of make this joke, I mean, uh, I don't know, do you have time to click one button once a week? I mean, is that gonna be a little too much for you? I, you know, I, I joke is like, I, I could try to make it easier, but I, I don't know how. It's kind of like the Homer Simpson model, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, 
<laughs> but, but even still, right? I mean, we, we, we only get about 50% adoption within firms. So still there, there, there isn't a, you know, it, it, it's, it's not yet fundamental to a lawyer's success to participate in social media, but now you do have, it used to just be the innovators and the early majority, you know, and, and now really you have a majority, right? If it, say you clean, clearly have kind of half of, of lawyers and other professions that, that buy in. So that's made it more fun, obviously. Yeah, no, very cool. And, and a number of our clients use uh, your product and, and I know get a lot of value out of it. So I think that's great. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that, Jay. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, I know, Adrian, you've known Jay for years, I guess, right? Uh, but I just recently came across you uh, in an article that uh, you wrote for Forbes about the current moment we're in relative to how content is being consumed. And it was actually sent to me by another Adrian friend of mine, Adrian Lurson, who we interviewed for this podcast um, just last week. And we were talking about that same topic, which is why it was relevant. So he sent it to me and I wrote a piece for JD Supra, which really is it kind of parallels what you wrote and how the current moment, whether it's lockdown or whether it's a, a current need for information and, and the comfort of knowledge has sort of led to this moment where people are online, uh, either social media or other media, to, you know, digital media, and they're looking for answers and content consumption has gone through the roof as Adrian reports through his analytics and content creation is followed suit to a large degree. Right. And so your article kind of talked through that. And I was curious how, from your perspectives, specifically relative to attorneys, how what you've seen relative to their activity on LinkedIn. So you're, you're seeing maybe that the late majority is active now, right? So how has that changed from your perspective during COVID-19? Has there been more activity? Um, I had a CMO of a large law firm here in the Detroit area say that their Facebook activity went through the roof during COVID. So yeah. curious what you're seeing and what you think the impact is of this current moment we're in. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one thing we look at with our software is, is our weekly active user number. I mean, that's kind of one of our, like we call it our North Star metric, because we want to know that people are participating and, and to be an active user, you have to have shared in that week. And so the first week of the COVID-19 kind of, when it all kind of started right in the middle of March. And when I say when it started, I mean, when the United States actually began to, to lock down states, that first week, we hit an all-time high of sharing, all-time high of clicks, all-time high of, of weekly active users. And then for the next six weeks, we broke that record every single week. Wow. So our usage has just been off the charts. And, um, you know, and, and, and although you didn't ask for, for my take on the reason, I'll just go ahead and share that. I mean, yeah, I please, think the reason please. is, yeah, that, you know, best case scenario, when, when a professional writes a piece of content, right, when the lawyer writes an article and puts it out there, he hopes that he or she hopes there'll be a collision, right, that it will collide with the person that needs it at that moment. And that will lead to a conversation that will lead to new business. In the past, the challenge has been the odds of somebody needing the content, the right content at the right time was more remote. But then with this crisis, people have a need for, for this information immediately. And it's almost, I don't, I don't want to use the word panic, but the urgency, right? We're on like alert level red. 
everyone needs to get their crap figured out now and they can't go meet with anyone. And so they've got to go online to find the content through searching. So that kind of urgency, you know, combined with, um, with, with additional supply has been powerful. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In, in what Adrian and Jay and I discussed and what I wrote for my piece is a contention I have that I think some of this um, is going to have some permanence to it. So uh, just as you said, you know, I, don't, I think it may have been before we uh, went on air, um, adoption of Zoom probably is going to be permanent to some degree and before it was people trying to figure it out. But I think in some respects, we're seeing what the future of marketing looks like for professional services firms. And I'm just curious if you think how much of this, you're right, there's a lot of it is born from urgency, but how much of this will have some permanence to it, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, one big thing that that people are realizing and, you know, Jay, I know you and I both seen this before is there is a light bulb moment when a lawyer shares a piece of content and they either get a phone call or it goes semi-viral or something happens and their perception of social media has changed forever. It's like they get it, right? It's almost like they're fishing and they finally catch something and it's like, wow, fishing is fun, right? And, and so what you're seeing now is you're seeing all of these lawyers and, and I mean, I've talked to marketing directors all over the country. They have practice groups that are that are writing content that have never written content before. And, and the amazing thing about writing content is it doesn't require the same charisma that traditional rainmaking requires, right? You don't have to shake hands. You don't have to look people in the eye. Not saying that lawyers typically aren't good at that, but you all know there, there's some, some are and some that definitely aren't. And, and a lot of these, you know, less social lawyers, they're having their social media moment where they share something, something good happens, and they realize, wow, I can do more than just bill for my firm. I can create content that's going to drive people to our doorstep, virtually speaking, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, right. Um, no, that, that all makes sense, and I agree. I mean, it, that, you know, when you're, when you're trying to develop a new habit like that, um, the thing that keeps you doing more is that positive reinforcement from achieving some level of success doing it. Uh, so, but we have, I think we have to draw the distinction because there's certainly probably more people on these platforms. Um, so there's, there is more activity, but there's a distinction between activity and success. So there's probably some behavioral um, characteristics, um, some behaviors that lawyers engage in who do actually generate a, a positive return on investment from their time on social media. So maybe Adrian, can you describe some of those characteristics or behaviors? And then maybe as a follow-up question, what, would, what should a lawyer consider to be, you know, a reasonable expectation as it relates to like, you know, the, the ROI from time spent on social media? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few different questions to unpack there. I mean, in yeah. your first comment, you kind of make, allude to this idea that there's a ton of activity out there. So there's a large amount of the activity that's going on that's probably not very effective, mm -hmm. right? And, and this is something that Adrian Lurson and I have talked about frequently is that whenever there's a crisis, right? We, there were a million articles about, you know, how should your company apply for, for PPP loans, right? Or what, P, what the legal ramifications are of the PPP, sorry, the payment protection plan. However, there were a small handful of firms that their content got 10, 20, 100 times the traffic of everybody else's. And, 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 and the, the companies, the firms that do the very best job are the ones that can relate 
right, put things in layman terms and make things simple for, for their readers. And that's a, that's a talent that, that unfortunately is not typical among lawyers, right? They're used to billing by the hour. So being concise, boiling it down. I mean, what people need is they need an executive summary, right? They don't need a white paper. And, and so the lawyers that have been concise and, and been able to give actionable business advice, I mean, they're the ones that have flourished, um, flourished in this. So that's kind of to answer your first part. Now, the second part about return on investment, I mean, you know, all of the best examples I see of lawyers that have brought in substantial business, right? Who really built their book of business with the help of blogs, with the help of their social media efforts, it's required continuous effort. So, so typically, you know, I tell people you need to commit to write in your blog for at least a year and you, you have to, you have to create content at least a few times per month over that year for you to see the results because it just takes, it just takes time to build up that, that kind of thought leadership um, or, or kind of a perception of thought leadership. So then the question is, what about random acts of social media, right? What if someone, well, what if I share like once every couple months and what if I write a blog post once every other year? Well, if, if you think about this, when we talk about like these chance collisions, right? And if you think about each time you write a piece of content or engage online as like a spin of the, you know, uh, of the virtual slot machine, um, you know, you just need more chances, you know? And so, so to really have an ROI, you need to have a substantial number of experiments. And when I say experiments, you need to write multiple times. You need to engage in a lot of conversations. And while, while saying all of that, you know, every organization has at least one, I've seen overshare, someone that just shares too much and they share so much that they have a very low level of engagement. So across you know, the 50,000 users we have on Clearview Social, the average number of clicks per share is just over two on LinkedIn, like 2.1. And, and that means is anyone that shares something, right, at the very least, you're gonna get like your, your father and maybe an aunt to click on what you've shared, right? Um, but then over shares, they're gonna share so much that they'll actually end up getting less than two clicks per share. And so, so anyway, so, so there is a balance, but the vast majority of, of lawyers are nowhere close to oversharing. I mean, uh, the, the data coming out of LinkedIn shows that you can share up to 20 times per month, once each business day, before you see any diminishing returns from additional shares. So that, that's kind of the model I tell people, try to get as close to that 20 per month. And over time, that's, what's gonna, that's where you're going to see kind of a return on the effort you put into this. Interesting. And that's specifically on LinkedIn or across channels? So the frequency on LinkedIn is, is that 20 times per month. Um, you know, interestingly enough, the average number of clicks per share on Twitter that we see is actually more than 10. Hmm. And so, so Twitter is far more successful for thought leadership in our experience than LinkedIn. And I know a lot of people say, yeah, but LinkedIn has the right people on it. And it's like, well, they may have the right members, but do they, do they have the right traffic, right? We all know that when Google Plus came around, everyone joined Google Plus, but nobody spent any time there, right? right? So, so just because people have LinkedIn accounts doesn't mean they're going to read the content. And, and I know that's improving somewhat. LinkedIn is, is 
they're fighting hard to, to, to have an algorithm that will make the content that's shared be more relevant to each person. And, and LinkedIn is our bread and butter. I mean, that's where most of our people share, but it's almost like we have to bang people over the head and say like, hey, don't forget Twitter, because Twitter actually, if you're gonna share LinkedIn, you might as well also build up a Twitter following because your content will perform better there. Well, you provided an opportunity for a segue when you said banging people over the head, because I wanted to talk to you about um, specifically what my understanding of what your platform really does well, which is employee advocacy and getting people to share content. And in so many cases, you know, it feels like the marketing department could have a great idea and have maybe one attorney um, collaborate on a project and create some thought leadership and share that, say, on LinkedIn. But the real power of that is having his or her colleagues also sharing and chiming in and commenting. And it does wonders for the algorithms. It does wonderful things for appearances of the piece of content. But that's a difficult task for whatever reason. And, and we've gone so far as to really do old school where you send out a link to the LinkedIn post, you email it to everyone. You say, this is what you do. Yes. You click this button. You're going to see this pop up. I've even had, you know, screenshots with big red arrows at the like button. Right. Oh yeah. And so oh, yeah. it's still sometimes that goes uh, unattended to. So talk to us a little bit about what you think a firm that is committed to thought leadership marketing. What is the impact of, of robust employee advocacy? And you feel free to chime in on how your platform sort of facilitates that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think a great starting point is exactly what you explained, which, which I call it, I call that like do it yourself employee advocacy, right? Where you have your marketing person build out an email, copy and paste in all the links and say, Hey, here's the item to share. All you have to do is click on this link or all you have to do is copy and paste this link, open up LinkedIn, paste it in. You know, um, I remember in the early days when I was coaching lawyers, I remember sitting down with a lawyer once. And I was saying, okay, now you're going to highlight this link and then you're going to right click on it. And then you're going to choose copy. And then, and then I walked up there and then you're going to go over here and hit paste. And he did it. And then he said to me, Oh, that's copy and paste. <laughs> so like, literally like his secretary had been editing all his documents. <laughs> He'd never even copy and pasted a paragraph, you know, which, which just like blew my mind. It's like a partner that's billing, you know, $700 an hour. But, but anyway, but, but the point is, is a simple one. Okay. So, so you can make it very easy by building out this whole thing yourself and emailing it to them. What Clearview Social does is it basically, you can feed in any of your new posts right through an RSS feed. And so you just choose the new articles that have been written. You add them into the queue. That's like the email that's going to go out and then you approve that. And so to assemble the whole email from the marketing department, you know, it, it just takes a minute. And then the lawyers receive an email that says, you know, here's the latest articles and each one shows the image, the headline, the summary, and they just have to hit the book, hit the share button next to it. And literally in one click, it schedules the post to be shared at the best time of day. And it gives them a pop-up where they can add a comment if they so choose. Now, do we want them to add a comment? 100% yes. Every time they should add a comment if possible, they'll get 55% more clicks if they add a comment. But if the lawyer can't think of what to say, it's already been scheduled. It will go out with just the headline and summary with no comment because we'd rather they share without a comment than not share at all. So, so, so the software, it kind of, it makes that experience simple, but then if they're a power user and they want to get more out of their share, 
it, it's going to use an, an AI tool that we've built called Social Score that, that will actually tell them changes they can make to their post so that they'll get more clicks. You know, it'll say add a longer headline, include a hashtag, um, use, um, you know, make sure that you have a completed summary, make sure there's an image that matches the, the post. Anyway, and if they follow kind of all of our suggestions, um, the idea is just to kind of little by little teach them to, to, to do this themselves and just to, to think about, to be smarter about each post they make. Yeah. Yeah, and so in so give the CMO who's listening or marketing director some ammunition to go back to their attorneys and say, if you do this, give us some data points or some kind of context. Yeah. What is the impact of employee advocacy on thought leadership content? Yeah, so a couple of ways to look at the impact. Um, typically, um, kind of from the benchmark of where firms are to, to, to after they're using our, our solution, Clearview Social in particular, we see a thousand percent increase in inbound traffic from social media. Um, but, but then if you want to look in terms of how, how, how are people going to participate? Um, and, and again, we have so many, we just done this so many times. We can usually predict within a few percentage point what the participation will be. If you add a hundred lawyers to our software, half of them will participate and half of that half will become very active. Right, so out of 100, you may get 25 very active users as a result. And some people say, well, like, oh, 25%, like, that's not a great outcome. But keep in mind, the average, at the average organization, two to 3% of their, of their, of their lawyers are, are sharing on a regular basis. So usually, you know, we'll go from a small handful to kind of a core group, a critical mass, and then organizations can grow from there and get buy-in from more people. But really kind of like, what does success look like? Well, for us, it's just making sure you have a critical mass of people within your organization that can, that can kind of rev the engine to get your content going viral. Yeah, Adrian, that's, that's powerful. And I mean, yeah, just think about it, I guess. Um, I guess, you know, however you're doing employee advocacy, um, you know, you, most law firm company pages on LinkedIn might have, you know, anywhere from 500, uh, you know, and the, some firms might have in the tens of thousands, but that's rare. But, you know, 100 lawyers uh, with a combined, uh, their combined connections equal over 100,000. So you create that network effect by getting more people involved in this activity, and you're going to achieve a, a great, a greater degree of success on these platforms. So, so Adrian, I think that's probably a great place to wrap up today. Thanks for, for all the great insights. Can you just um, maybe direct our listeners as to how they might, um, you know, be able to get in touch with you, follow your content, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first off, um, since we're kind of going through this whole thing with COVID-19, uh, we've opened up something we've never done before, which is basically we're offering a free trial of Clearview Social through the end of July. Um, like I said, we never offer this, but we want to make it easy because people are sharing like crazy and they're reading like crazy. Uh, anyone that would like to try out our, our platform, um, they can go to clearviewsocial.com and, and just request a demo right there. Um, you can find my posts on Forbes. Um, just look up, if you just do a Google search for Forbes and Adrian Dayton, You'll see any of those posts. Um, usually those are posted to JD Supra as well. And um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Adrian Dayton, but um, and I, I'd love to chat with, with anyone that has questions about any of this. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again, Adrian. Uh, we appreciate your time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.